mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 3, just for a moment, and then we're going to be doing a little bit of Bible sword drills today. Uh, Today is what is typically called Palm Sunday. Now, I call it triumphal entry, because Jesus made a triumphal entry on this day. They happened to throw their clothes on a donkey, and they clo- they threw palm branches on the ground, so we call it Palm Sunday, but it's the triumphal entry. Um, why is it significant? Well, you know, I don't know if you know the Jewish calendar, but the Jewish calendar today is in Israel is the 11th day of Nisan in the year of 5783. That's the calendar of the Jewish people. And yesterday was the 10th of Nisan. And the 10th of Nisan is the day that Jesus made a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He come riding in on a donkey, and we're going to look at that. But why is it so significant? Well, Because it was the day that the Passover lamb was picked. It was the day that they would choose the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. But here in Acts chapter 3, I just want you to see quickly. It's 3 verse 11. Listen, everything in the early church, every sermon ever taught was about the resurrection. Listen. Resurrection Sunday is next week. And I want you to understand, and I say Resurrection Sunday, people get frustrated with me, and they like to call it Easter, but Easter is from Ishtar. It's a false fertility god. It was something that was made up to do what? To cover the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the evidence that he was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And when you cover up the resurrection, you're covering up the truth of God. When you teach Easter, and many churches will, it's teaching falsehood to our children. It's teaching false things that, that just perpetrate a lie. Listen to me. Resurrection Sunday, they want to hide the resurrection. It's what the early church talked about in every sermon. It means a standing up again. Or, here it is, a recovery of spiritual truth. 
And what did we recover? They were apostate. They were lost. They had walked away from God. And in Christ, who preached the kingdom of God, he comes and they have a recovery by the Spirit of God of spiritual truth and how they were supposed to live. And when we come to salvation... We have a recovery of spiritual truth through the power of the Holy Spirit. We now have spiritual eyes to see what God would say to the church. And I would encourage you, listen, in fact, let's just stop and pray. Father, we want to pray right now that if we've quenched and grieved and insulted and lied to the Holy Spirit by the way we live and the witness that we've given, that you would forgive us. And that you would open our eyes this morning to see the spiritual truth of the scriptures and then go tell somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we go out and live any way we want and we grieve and quench and salt and lie to the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal truth to us. And so we pretend and we live a life of a lie. And the resurrected life is not there. Us standing up again and recovering spiritual truth is not there. And it's so important that we understand that our very witness is the proof of the resurrection. And they want to cover it up. And the devil wants you to cover it up. He wants us not to be witnesses to the power of resurrection in our lives. Listen to, I want you to see this. Well, where does it come from? How do we get it? What's going on? If you were in chapter 3 of Acts with me right now, you, it, it, to give you some background, Peter and John, at the hour of prayer, they go into the temple at Solomon's porch. We talked about this, I think, last week, potentially. And there's a blind man begging alms. And this man was there when Jesus was walking in here days before. He's there every day begging alms. It's how he survives. Did I say a blind man or a lame man? It's a lame man. And, and Peter fixes his eyes upon him and says, look at me. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the man stood up. And he began to walk. And that's what happens when we look at Jesus Christ, we stand up and we begin to walk out this life and live this life for Christ because there's resurrection in our life. We've stood up again. We've recovered spiritual truth and our legs are no longer lame. Our legs are no longer limp, but we can start to walk this out by his power for his glory. But look what it says happened. Um, in fellowship, in life, verse 11, I'm just going to read this quickly. I'm not going to spend much time here. Like I said, Bible sword drills. Now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Listen, when people are healed, it should amaze other people. It should be a witness of the power of God when we begin to walk for God. So when Peter saw it, 
he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why so? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man to walk? Listen, instantly get the attention off of yourself. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Pilate said seven times he's an innocent man. Listen to me. He got the attention off of himself and instantly pointed it to Jesus where it needs to be. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. We'll talk about that later. The murderer's name was Barabbas. Barabbas means son of the father. So they chose the wrong son of the father. You wanted the murderer to be granted to you because he was more familiar with you and killed the prince of life, the chief of life, the head of life, whom God raised from the dead. Notice how many times it's in this text. This is the sermon that you want to understand. Every sermon in the book of Acts, what's it so important about? It's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. The acts of the Holy Spirit through the church, the acts of the Holy Spirit as we're led by the Spirit of God and that proves that we are children of God and that's the witness of a resurrected life that we're no longer dead and in the grave, but we're now living for Christ. Fifteen, and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses, martyrs, those who give their life, 16. And his name, notice his, his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority, through faith in his name, where's your faith placed at? This is the context, has made this man strong or whole, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given the, him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He's from Kentucky. You now, or excuse me, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold, how did he foretell them? By the mouth of the prophets, his prophets. Where did he tell them? In the Old Testament, the Bible, that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of God would suffer. He, God, has thus fulfilled what should we do then? Verse 19. I read all of this to get you this. I want you to see the resurrection. But what's the first word given? Change your mind. Metanoia. Change your direction. Stop following the world and follow God. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, that's a recovery of breath, breath of life may come where does it come from greg from the presence of the lord from the presence of the lord 
Why? And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. That's what God's doing right now. He's restoring all things that choose to be restored, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his prophets since the world began. That's why we need spiritual eyes to know what God has been saying in the Old Testament. For Moses, truly said to the fathers the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren him you shall hear faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you and it shall be here's the result here's the fruit here's the evidence here's what happens when you hear and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, notice it's not seeds, it's speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's just raised from the dead. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, the Jews, which is his audience at this time, the early church was all Jews. To you first, Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, for the Jew first, and then to the Greek, or then to the Gentile. For you, to you first, God having raised, there it is again, up his servant Jesus, resurrection, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your sins, from your iniquities. Chapter 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And then they arrest them. They laid hands on them. Listen, what are they disturbed about? They are greatly disturbed that they're preaching in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That's what the devil is disturbed about. The resurrection, the evidence that Jesus was the Mashiach, the Messiah of God. And that he came into Jerusalem on the tent in the sun. And then, then they watched him. They questioned him. They, 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 they talked to him to make sure and say, oh, tell us the truth. Are you the Messiah? We just covered it in John chapter 10 as we closed out last week. And then on the 14th in the sun at twilight, they crucified him. And then on the 17th in the sun, he got up from the grave. He rose again. And what did he do then, Greg? He went to his disciples, to those who had ears to hear and eyes to see. And he began to speak to them again for 40 days. The number of judgment, things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He wanted to continue to instruct him. Listen to me. When we come to salvation and then we're baptized into the, the, by the Spirit into the body of Christ, we receive the Spirit of God. The, the, and Christ is the Spirit. 
And he comes and lives in our heart and he wants to open blind eyes and he wants us to come and build a love relationship and he wants us to prepare us for the wedding supper of the Lamb. He's coming again soon. The times of restoration we just read about are almost finished. We're at the end of the age. Look at Colossians. I'm going to start in chapter 2. Colossians 2 verse 11 as Paul writes to the church in, the, uh, in Colossae, he's talking about Jesus. I can't do the whole book. I'm sorry. Don't be deceived by philosophy or empty deceit according to the tradition of man, according to the basic principles of this world. For we are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. We're complete in Christ. Verse 211. In Him, in Christ, listen, you were also, you were is who you are, circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. It's a spiritual circumcised by putting off the body of sins of the flesh. Christ cuts away the flesh, cuts away the sins. He takes the power from your flesh by the circumcision of Christ, verse 12, buried with him in baptism watery grave in which you also were raised with him resurrection through faith in the working of God this is what God is working out in us who raised him from the dead resurrection again and you me and you being dead in your trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh your sin nature he made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped away, excuse me, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, the law, which was contrary to us, we couldn't keep it, and he has taken it out of the way, fulfilled it, having nailed it to the cross. What did that do, Greg? It disarmed principalities and powers a spiritual host of wickedness that can accuse you because now we're innocent. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The triumphal day that he comes in, we call Palm Sunday, is God coming in on the 10th and the Son to triumph over the grave. For this purpose he came, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Listen, now a big comma. Because 16 says, so let no one judge you. So, because of this, it could be a therefore. Skip all of that so, which interrupts the thought, and go to chapter 3, verse 1. Listen, he triumphed over them in it. And then he says, if then you were raised, resurrection from the dead with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. How do I seek them? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Somehow, supernaturally, we died, and then we were resurrected with Him, and now we're seated in heavenly places, but now He's living through us. 
Do you get this? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we have to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And that's what he goes on to say. Therefore, put to death your members. Die to self. Deny self. Take up our cross daily and remind yourself that we're dead. We're here with a mission for the reconciliation of souls. Not to get caught up in the physical that we must walk in. We're in it. But we know it's all about the spiritual and we do not want to get rid of the resurrection. Listen, we've been raised because he was raised. Soon there's going to be a resurrection of the dead and a resurrection of the living. Which resurrection will you rise in? The resurrection of the dead will go to hellfire. The resurrection of the living will be with Christ forever in eternity. The tent and the sun yesterday on the Jewish calendar. Today it's what the church, the Protestant church celebrates that we cover up by calling it Palm Sunday instead of triumphal entry that Christ makes and the people choose him as the Messiah. Well, where does it get its start at, Greg? Well, it gets its start in the Old Testament, which is where we're going now to Exodus chapter 12, because it's so important to understand that when the Spirit comes in, the Spirit begins to teach you spiritual truth. I should not have to really teach this Bible. As I read it, if I would just read it out loud, the Spirit of God would open up your eyes and you would go, wow, that's in the Old Testament? Because it's the Spirit that teaches us, not me. It's the Spirit that gifts us, not me. It's the Spirit that's leading us, not me. So we want to get the attention back on Jesus, the one who was crucified and his sent His Spirit to restore us until the time of restoration of all things. Are you being restored or are you still living with dead men's bones? you out of the grave or are you still following a dead culture that makes up things to cover up resurrection we do not have to be pit dwellers we can go out in the power of god and be witnesses to this mighty work that he has done where god became flesh God come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And how do we know it happened? How? Because the prophets foretold it. The Old Testament has hidden it, but prefigures it. And Exodus 12 is just that. Exodus 12 is the Passover festival which the people of God, the Jews, were told to celebrate every year. And they were told how to do it. We're going to see that. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover festival. Everything in the Old Testament looks forward to Christ. It prefigures Christ. It keeps our New Testament doctrine in place. It outlines it, and you can go back and ask the Holy Spirit, and He will teach you what is there. He's not trying to hide it. We're His friends. He wants us to see it. He wants us to walk in it. He wants us to know it and go out with power because of who He is and what He's done. And on the tenth and the sun is when it began when they were in bondage in Egypt. Do you guys remember that? 
What did God do? He already made a difference when he brought his people down through Joseph. He put them in Goshen. And in Goshen, it's separated from the world. And Goshen means drawing near. Well, who were they drawing near to? They were drawing near to God and separated from the world. Listen, we are to separate from the world and draw near to God and let him finish the work and deliver us out of the world. He takes his people out of the world and then he takes the world out of his people. It's the sanctification process. He took the children of Israel out of Egypt and then he began in the wilderness for 40 years to take Egypt out of the people because they still wanted to practice everything that they learned. In fact, 38 years into it, they said, oh, that we were back in Egypt where we could eat garlics and leeks and onions and we could enjoy at least having a meal. And they had ignored God. And that's why they don't enter into his rest that we talked about last week. So here in this, I have to go quickly. Exodus 12 is the 12, or the 10th plague is getting ready to come upon Pharaoh. Pharaoh, remember, is a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh's the, the one world government, the head of everything at the time. And God has already brought nine plagues upon them. Nine plagues upon them where they kept saying, oh, we'll let your children go. And then they wouldn't. Oh, we'll let them go. But then they wouldn't. And God says he's going to bring the final plague here. And it's the death of the firstborn. Listen to me. And why is that significant? Because the firstborn in Egypt were made priests. They were the leaders. They were the heads. They were the one calling the shots under Pharaoh. And they had 3,000 temples and 1,000 priests. Or excuse me, very verse. 1,000 temples and 3,000 priests. All the firstborn dedicated to propagating the lies of the false gods. And God said, I am. What do you mean? Well, he said, let my people go. And then he killed every single priest, every single leader, every single head that was trying to be on the throne in power. We see it prefigured now. They got a, a plan that they perfected, but God is laughing at them because one day soon in the battle of Armageddon, he's going to kill every one of them again because they hardened their heart. Do you know that, that there was a plan that was made that yesterday there was supposed to be a strike out against the United States? Now, I didn't read anything about it, but there was a, there was a thing going on on the Internet about there was going to be an, some attacks yesterday of violence. Do you know why that's significant? Because they do this stuff right out in the open. Yesterday was the tenth of Nisan. It's the day that you choose the Lamb. It's the day that you choose your Messiah. It's the day that you choose who your Father is, who, who you're going to trust in. And, and it also was April Fool's Day, just, just to be fair. It was April Fool's Day, which is the Bible declares, the fool has said in his heart, no God. They're not going to listen to God's Word. They want to kill God's Word. They don't want to be part of God's kingdom. They want to be their own God. To listen to the devil. 
Now, whether they were trying to incite people to other things or not, I don't know. But they had planned that there was going to be mass violence on the 10th and the Sun. And it's always an attack on the 10th and the Sun, especially by the ruling authorities. They're going to attack Jesus on the 10th and the Sun. They're going to tell him to tell his disciples to be quiet. And he says, if they be quiet, the rocks will cry out. Somebody's got to talk about it. It's this day, the tent and the sun, that the whole world was waiting for. All eyes look forward. All eyes look back. All eyes look down on the redemption of mankind. The day that the Messiah would come and he would walk in in triumph and go to the cross, lay down his life, give it for the sins of the world, and then the Father would raise him from the grave again and defeat death. And there'd be no victory of the grave for those who believe in Christ. There would be no death for sins for those who trust in God and his Messiah and look to God. And this is what this is all about. Right here, the tent and the sun. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes to see Jesus before it's too late. In Jesus' name and for His glory, amen. Exodus 12, 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, one called out, and to Aaron, light bearer. See, when you're called out, you become a light bearer. Now you become a believer priest and you go out telling others, where did he call about? The land of Egypt, that's a world to us, saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation. Congregation is the ecclesia in the Greek. It's not that, but it's those called out of Israel. Israel's governed by God, saying on the tenth of this month, it's the tenth in the sun, or the tenth of Abib, March or April to us, it's settled by the moon. On the tenth of this month, every man, this, hey, listen, listen, not to be offensive, but this word here is specifically for a man. It's not for a woman. It's specifically for a man. Lots of words for man mean man or woman or human being. But this is God giving the headship of authority to man. The man was supposed to do this in his family, not the woman. That's why death culture is killing men. That's why death culture destroys men. He destroys the home. He destroys marriage. That's why the devil wants to destroy authority of God and leadership. Because God has given it to man. See, God created man. And then from man, he took the woman out of his side as a helpmate. And this is a, a message that the church doesn't even want to hear today. The church doesn't even want to hear the authority structure of God and the leadership of God and what God has done. It's not a bad message. It's a truthful message that flips everything right side up and causes a man to step up with the power of God and do the work of God for the glory of God and protect his home, go get his children and take care of his bride and know that God has given us power 
And yes, He does give the power to the woman. And yes, He does love all of us because in heaven, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. We're all spirits to God. But down here, He's put us in a body on purpose. Listen to me. He's put us in a body on purpose. It doesn't, it doesn't trans. It doesn't change. It's not fluid. But death culture wants to kill and that's what was going on at this time. They were killing the children by abortion. All the males, only the males. Let the females stay alive, but kill the men. And now we're not just killing the babies and killing the men, but we're also cutting off their penises and chaining little bitty kids that it's okay to do that. Do you think it's not an evil, dark day when we see this being allowed in America and the world and it's being trained as something that can happen and it's against God Almighty and the Word of God? And we need to proclaim it from the rooftops because it's from the devil. And the only way to save anybody that thinks they need to do that is tell them the truth. They need Jesus also. They're not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. Listen. On the 10th of the year, speak to all the congregation, verse 3. In the 10th of the month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to his house of his father's. Who's your father? Where's your father's house? What lamb are you choosing? The Father in heaven sent Jesus the Messiah as the Lamb of God. It's the only one to choose. Any other lamb that doesn't line up with the Scripture's lamb, with the prophet's lamb, with, the, with what is written of the lamb, any other lamb is not of the God the Father and will not deliver you back into the house of God through marriage with your kinsman redeemer. Uh, a lamb for a household, verse 4. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and the neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So we get a lamb that's appropriate, that's proportionate to the size of the family. And if the family's too small, we go next and share it with our neighbors because it's a one another ministry. But the, our culture don't want you to talk to your neighbor. Don't be a part of your neighbor's life. But that's what the second commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. But they want you to hate your neighbor and divide you from your neighbor. Because of all the rhetoric that's going on. Because we don't tell truth anymore. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now listen. Blemish is something that happens at birth. Marks and scars and other things happen as you live life. But without blemish. Born without blemish. See we were all born with a sin nature. Jesus was born with no sin nature. No blemishes. That's what this is prefiguring and speaking of. A, a, without blemish, a male of the first year. It can be translated in the Hebrew, uh, uh, firstborn. Or only born. 
You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Let's look at, uh, and I can read to you quickly, 1 Peter 1.17. Listen, 1 Peter, what does Peter declare? Uh, and if you call on the Father, are you calling on the Father in heaven? If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, Conduct yourself. How are you living? What's your acts that the Holy Spirit are leading you to do throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct. See, before when we were in our sin nature, it was aimless. Now we have specific, specific deliberate actions that we should be doing because we're part of a body that gives us perfect instruction, perfect authority perfect power perfect redemption he gives us gifts and we should be walking in them not aimlessly going oh well if i fall into this i can't listen it's your soul if you're still living aimlessly you're not listening to the holy spirit or getting into the word of god deliberately if i hit it i might if i don't i won't listen it's a target that was hit every time by Jesus the Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're aiming at something. We're aiming at being deliberate about the salvation of souls. We're not going to continue from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers, small f, from other men who weren't living from Jesus, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot. See, spot is what happens as you live. Blemish is how you're born. All of us have blemishes. Spots is what happens when you get scars and marks and you go act out your sin nature. Listen, Jesus, without blemish, and then he lived a perfect life, no spot. And his blood was accepted by the Father. And because it was accepted, we have resurrection day. He got up out of the grave. The evidence that he was without blemish, he without spot. He fulfilled the scriptures that were written that they looked forward to as they celebrated the Passover every year. And it started on the 14th in the Psalm, which is actually when he was crucified at twilight. And then it lasted for seven days. We'll see that in a minute. Let me get back to this. Verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God had this plan. It's not a new plan. It's not plan B. There's only one plan. There's only one God. Only one Messiah coming. But was manifest in these last times for you. In other words, it was uncovered, made apparent by the power of the Holy Spirit, who through him believed in God, who raised resurrection him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Is that where you're placing it today? Are you looking forward to his glorious appearing? Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, Listen, when you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's obeying the truth. That's the starting line. Now we learn to observe and obey and tell others about it for the rest of our life. We're sanctified positionally, but practically it's going on. Through what? The Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, 
having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, the living word of God, through Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, which lives and abides forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away, Jesus said. Because, he quotes scripture, Peter does, all flesh is as grass. Getting ready to start mowing it again. And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. Anything it produces, all of our glory is, is going to be burned up. The grass withers the, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord, what? Stands. It endures forever. And you and I have need of endurance. And it only comes from the power of God, by the Spirit of God, in the word of God, because we know the truth of God. You're not going to get endurance chasing the world and living in the world. You're only going to get it as you surrender to God. Now, this is the word which they, by the gospel, was preached to you. Same thing that Paul said to the church in Colossae. Therefore, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Chapter 2 is, therefore, lay aside the deeds of the flesh. We have to begin to deliberately say, I want to, to lay these things aside, to stop practicing this and begin practicing this. Listen, you know what your heart is? It's so easy to be trained. That's why we train children when they're little kids in the way that they should go. But if you let them teach themselves, if you let them be left to themselves, they're going to become a disgrace to you. Listen, your heart is so easily trained. I look at my wife and I go, oh my goodness, breaks my heart. She's got a feeding tube. She can't eat, but she's always been a cook and a hospitality and always made new meals and food and entertained 50 and 60. And I see my wife who can no longer eat with her mouth on all the new food networks still because her heart has been trained to always be there. She's got subscriptions to them and she's talking about what she's going to make for me to eat and her heart can't just go away from it because it's been trained in this way. What are you training your heart for? Which father are you looking at? Is the word of God washing and cleansing and purifying you? Is your heart being trained by the world? Listen, the tent and the son is very important, but it's the 17th and the son that they want to kill, the resurrection. They want to kill your witness and your resurrection that you're going to get up. They won't want you to finish well. They want you to die and be quiet and never speak because of all your life being afraid of death. Listen, Christ took our death. It has no sting. Hades has no victory. But how sad it is when a church will not speak up that their hope is in Christ Jesus because they're still afraid of what man can do to them. And man can't do anything but kill the body. God can kill the body and cast the soul into hell. And yet I digress. And it's all about and pointed from God, from a lamb without blemish, without spot, that we've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus as we digress and go back to the Passover festival in Exodus 12. Powerful stuff. Remember, that was verse 5. Now, what should we do? Verse 6, man, 6. Now you shall keep guard protected until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly 
of the congregation of Israel, those governed by God, all in unity, shall kill it at twilight. He came and died for us. And remember, it was dark. The whole earth went dark for three hours when he hung on the cross. And he said, to tell us, die, it is finished. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, probably, God willing. Seven, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it, where you're having a fellowship meal because you're eating the Lamb of God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. When you're born again, you begin to apply the blood to your heart. All the resources of heaven, the inheritance, come through the blood. Life is in the blood. Eight, new beginning, they shall eat the flesh on that night. You'll see this is sanctification. It's a destruction of the flesh in this dark world. We come out from among them, roasted in fire. God is a consuming fire. He burns up the flesh with unleavened bread. Unleavened bread has no yeast in it, which yeast is a... Um, type of or a form of or points to evil influence in the church fire burns that out jesus is the bread of life we're eating of him where there is no sin and with bitter herbs they shall eat it and bitter herbs is suffering through much suffering shall we enter the kingdom of god bitter herbs will remind us that things are not always going to be sweet but God is still on the throne. We're still having fellowship and resting in Him and partaking of a meal with Him because it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we can rest even in suffering, which is coming soon to a city near you. But God's fire. Verse 9, listen, you can't do it any other way. Do not eat it raw. Can't do it any other way. You have to have the fire nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. has to be fire. And you know, soon, listen to me, soon, final judgment's going to be fire. We just read about it in Josiah uh, reforms. 2 Kings 23, Josiah is a type. He burns up everything. And he pours dead man bones on top and makes everything that's been living unclean, unclean for real. Reap them what they sow. Roasted in fire. It's coming soon where God's going to burn up everything. Listen, not just, not just the world and not just judgment, not just cast into hell fire, but everything that's in a believer's life is going to go to the bema seat judgment. And if it wasn't done for the glory of God under the spirit of God, he's going to burn it up out of your life. And then you'll enter into heaven yet as though by fire. Because nothing can come into heaven that's of man's religions and man's works. So you can't even get up there unless you go through fire. And that's what he's saying here. Its heads, its head is power with its legs, its walk, and its entrails. That's every bit. Your body, soul, and spirit is going to be sanctified. Everything about you, inside, outside, your life is going to be roasted with fire. And it will be finished and you'll be like him. When we get there, 10, final completion. You shall let none of it remain until morning, the new day. 
and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. That's how he's going to get rid of all of it. This is the Bema seat. 11, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Listen, deliberately, with the belt of truth on. Listen, that's the belt of truth. Did you guys see it? The belt on your waist, sandals on your feet. Truth and your feet are prepared by the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We are living in truth and we're going out and telling people about truth as we allow him to sanctify and cleanse us. As we sup with him and have a meal with him and fellowship with him, we're going out and we have our staff in our hand and we eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. It all belongs to the Lord. For I will pass through the land. This is what God says. I will pass through the land of Egypt, the world in that night when it's dark, and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, all the priests, all the leaders, all the heads, all those who are out there indoctrinating children, all those that are out there indoctrinating a lie, they will be struck. They need to repent because God's going to kill them. Firstborn, born of man, born of beast, and against, notice who it's against, their gods, their false gods of Egypt, of the land. I will execute judgment. Why? I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign. The blood shall be a sign. You know, this word is used one time as mark. The blood shall be a sign. It was really interesting. It's in Genesis 4.15. It's used one time as a mark where God put a mark on Cain. That's pretty interesting. It shall be a sign. It's, it's token in the King James as an oath. It's a flag. It's a banner. It's a monument. Oh, wait a minute. It's evidence. It's the evidence the blood is the evidence for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I, God, death angel, will pass over you. Hence the name of the festival, pass over you. I will recognize you by your following my word, by you obeying what I've said to do, by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the plague Plague means a trip of foot, an infliction of disease, or it's a blow, but it means a fatal blow. The fatal blow shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt, when I strike the world. Why? Because the blood, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, without blemish or spot that we've been purchased with. 14, so this day shall be to you a memorial, a remembrance. It's Independence Day from your sin. Their Independence Day from Egypt. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. 
Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from those governed by God, from those in Israel. Now listen, because this all started in 14, and it all starts on the 14th in the sun. God is so perfect in His order and His decisiveness that you don't have to miss these things. Look at, look, listen to me. Tenth, you pick the lamb. You got him in the house like a, like a dog that we would call, an animal that's familiar with. You're looking at him. You're making sure there's no blemishes. It's not too much for you. Or you're going to get some help from your neighbors and share with your neighbor. And then on the 14th, after you've become familiar with that lamb, you're going to have to kill it. Can anybody imagine right now going home and going, hey, hey, uh, my dog's name's Zoe, which means life or eternal life. Uh, I'm just going to kill you today. I'm familiar with you and cut its throat and sacrifice it. And that's what it was the part was, is that they become familiar. It become relational. This is the lamb they're taking care of. They're tending to their, and that's what we're supposed to be doing with Jesus. But we're reminded that he died for us. So he's altogether separate from us, yet he wants us to be with him and part of him. But what do we have to do, Greg? Well, he just told us. We want to keep this feast. We want to remember it. It just so happens in the last night of his life, and we'll get to it probably next week, what did he do? Supper being ended. This Passover supper was ended. He instituted communion for the church. The Passover is for the Jewish nation. They still celebrate it. They're celebrating. This is Passover week to them, not to the church. The church is celebrating co-union with God because of his death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's the, the nation of Israel still celebrates Passover because they're still waiting they're still looking forward. They denied the just one. They don't believe in him. And that's not all of them. There's Messianic Jews. But Christ is my Passover. I'm not going to die because of Christ. Oh, I might die in this physical body, but my spirit's going to be with him forever. That's what Paul was reminding them of in, in Thessalonians when they were going, hey, hey, our, our loved ones have died and what's going to happen? Christ isn't back yet. And he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. Listen, he doesn't want us to be ignorant of anything. It means unlearned. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Euphemism for dead. For the dead in Christ will rise first and then those who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air and thus will be with him always. And we're to encourage one another with these words he says with with the, the trump will sound the trumpet will sound and the dead in christ will rise harpazo raptured taken out and thus we'll be with the lord always and we're to encourage one another with these words just as they're getting ready to be taken out with this Death of the firstborn. Now listen, because if you go and read the text, I'm not going to be there because we've got way too much material. But on the tenth, they chose. Then they became friends and they, they, they checked it out and they enjoyed it and they had fellowship and friendship. And then on the 14th, it died and its blood was put on their doorposts. And then it passed over. And guess what? On the 15th, they went out by their tribes. On the 15th, they left as a type of rapture. They were gone. 
But what happened? The enemy pursued them because this is a physical, physical, tangible. The enemy pursued them and said, what have I done? I've let them get away. But the enemy had no more power over them. And the Lord vanquished him and killed him. Destroyed every one of Pharaoh's army, all of them, in the Red Sea. Remember, he killed everything with a flood. He promised never to do that again. But once again, he's going to kill all things that are against him. The enemies of the cross, he'll do it with fire. First in the Valley of Jezreel, at the Battle of Armageddon. They're going to be joined together to fight each other. And then Christ is going to bust the clouds open. He's going to come on a white horse. And the blood will be up to the bridle as he kills all the enemies of the cross. It's important because we're going to see here in a minute, Matthew 21, when we go there, he comes on a, a, a donkey. He comes on a, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He comes on a, on, a, on, a, on a newborn foal. He doesn't come on a white horse like a king does. His first time he came as a suffering servant. His first time he came as the Lamb of God. His first time he came on a beast of burden on the tent of Nisan. And then he was crucified as the anointed of God on the 14th. And then he got up on the 17th. Resurrection. It's just standing up again from death. He came and took our death so that we can stand up again and we can have a recovery of spiritual truth. And boy, how bad am I at following it. But I stand in Christ Jesus. Not in my own works. I stand in his finished works on the cross. So I go out with boldness to tell others about it because of who he is, not who I am. Don't look at me or look at his people. Point to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes the sins of the world. But what were we supposed to do? Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Seven is the number of completion. He's making us whole. We're supposed to be looking to take all the leaven on the first day. You shall remove leaven from your houses. Remember, it's the influence of evil. Dads, men, are you cleaning up your houses? How's it getting into your kids? Oh, through the schools, through the TV, through the music, through the phones. How's it getting to your kids as dads, as men? We're supposed to be cleaning up our houses. And I understand there's single mom families out there. That's my neighbor. Men should be helping single family moms. The church should be there, not the government. The government wants to deceive them. So we're supposed to be removing the leaven from our homes. And if we're not moving in that direction, it means that we're not walking with the power of the Spirit. And it says you'll be cut off from those who are governed by God. That's what it says. And you can say it's the Old Testament, but God, my God doesn't change. Evidence. Evidence. Moving forward. That's what sheep do. They are moving forward. Four-footed animals that move forward, not backward. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared for you. Now listen, what's that speaking of? That's speaking of you can't do this with your own works. 
You, can't, you have to rest in Christ. And everything that He's done on the cross is all the finished works that are there for us. All you do is believe in that and go out and do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, what He has prepared for us. You cannot do this with your own works any of this day, any of this time that we are here. It has to be only by what everyone must eat. You're supping and you're eating on the bread of life and doing what God has said to do. 17, so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread for on the same day, what's God going to do? I will have brought your armies, your tribes out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall obey, observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance in the first month on the 14th day of the month at evening. You shall eat the unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leavened bread shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, the same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native in the land. Second witness, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. So now everything that we get, no influence of evil in it, only Jesus, the bread of life that has come down. Tenth in the sun, fourteenth in the sun. Listen, now let's go to Matthew 21. Why is this day important? Now we're celebrating. It's actually the 11th of Nisan in Israel, according to the Jewish calendar. It's actually the 11th of Nisan. Oh, did you guys know, Let me as you're going to Matthew 21, that if you wish to have stopped off, and you can if you want with me, if you've already got there, at Joshua 4.19. There's some interesting studies that you can do. And I found seven different things that all happened on the first month, first day. I might do that as our New Year's message if we're still here. But 419, what happened on the tent in the sun? Listen, they had believed God in the water. The streams were flowing. It's, it's this flood season. And the priests had to step out on the Jordan onto the water. And when they did, the waters receded. And on the tent in the psalm, what did they do? It says in 419 of Joshua, now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, the month of Abib, the month of the psalm. What does that mean? Well, Jordan means the descender. They came up out of the water. No more descending, but we're looking up. We're looking up. We're being lifted up. Resurrection. That's when it starts. And that's where we are. When you fast forward, you go to Matthew 21. We hope you enjoyed part one of a two-part message. Please join us here next week for part two. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I